Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, welcome back. I have a special guest for you, but first, I want to remind you that you can get all of my homestead science books on my website for a new way of teaching agriculture to today's youth and aspiring homesteaders by focusing on small-scale farming and self-sufficiency. If you're a school or co-op and you need invoicing, please feel free to reach out to me directly. For those of you who follow me on social media, you've probably been tracking our cross-country trip to attend the Homesteaders of America conference and then the Indiana Homesteading Conference, and we had an amazing time. We were able to learn and see so many things about American history, which is our favorite subject to do as a family and something that we always focus on when we're on the road. While at the conferences, I got to chat with so many amazing people and see some of my dearest friends that I've met on the road. I've been so inspired and have had, I don't know, just built up so many new ideas for you guys. I think this coming year is going to be amazing. Now, you're probably thinking this coming year, we're right at the end of 2023, but I don't know. I kind of feel like as homesteaders, we base our yearly calendar on Homesteaders of America, which is October. So, or at least that's kind of the way my business, I launched right before Homesteaders of America. And so it's kind of just become like my yearly end of year, start of year type thing. So um, this next year, I have some amazing things planned for you guys. Now, one of the biggest changes as my listeners that you will notice is that I'm only going to be doing one episode a week, at least for now. Um, I've been doing two episodes for the last year. It's been a lot of fun. I have met with some of the coolest people um, things that have gotten me so excited. So I hope that they've gotten you excited. And if you, um, are just now tuning in, make sure you go back and listen to some of those guests because, oh man, like some of the conversations that we have had, I, they fire me up. They're so exciting. They're the neatest people. So I've been really blessed there. Um, I am going to still continue to have guests, but I'm also going to spend a little bit more time just talking to you guys. Um, I have so many things that we do on our homestead that's happening in our homeschool with our family that I just really feel like I want to share with you more. And so there's going to be a little bit of that before every guest. Um, Some episodes are still going to have guests. Some are going to just be me, which the way it's always been. But like I said, there's only going to be one a week. Um, But I'm not leaving you guys hanging. On Fridays, you're going to be able to start catching me on YouTube. Every uh, Friday, I'm going to have a combination of a vlog of all of the Hannah Homestead changes and some really fun how-tos. So be sure to subscribe to our channel and so you don't miss out on those fun episodes of our crazy lives and some really great information. Um, Some of the biggest things we have going on is that we'll be launching our farm store in the spring. And so we're going to be basically spending the next six months just really amping up for that. Um, one of the first things I'm working on this week with that is, um, getting our website launched. I am starting a new program on how people can pay for their whole hogs that they purchase from us. And it's a great way for lower income families to be able to, um, 
not even lower income. It's just, I don't consider us necessarily low income, but to be able to pay, you know, $800 for a whole hog plus cut and wrap is kind of a big purchase. So I've started a program called pay as you grow, which is where, um, local families, um, will be able to pay us on a monthly basis, which not only makes it where it's a little bit more comfortable for them financially to be able to, in the end, only have to pay their cut and wrap fees and their animals already paid for. But it also makes it really great for us because then we're able to cover some of our feed costs and things like that as they're paying. So, and as the animal's growing. So that's going to be a really great change on our homestead. Um, But I wanted my website up and running because I really feel like um, I want to build credibility with people. Um, I mean, this is kind of on a business note, but... Um, Also, if you listen to me, then you kind of know where my heart comes from with this. I would feel a little sketchy, like just personally, even if I knew somebody paying them on a monthly basis until uh, for, you know, like six months to get meat at the end. So I want to make sure that people know that they can trust me and that I have a secure site and that I have a good program in place um, so that if they need to cancel their order for some reason, that they have options for getting um, all or most of their money back probably most because um, I've always done a um, non-refundable deposit. So I'll be looking at something like that to cover my costs of being able to even put together this program. So, but with that, I want them to just have that full faith in me so that they know at the end of it, they're going to have their product. Um, Whereas normally they either pay me like right at the end or, um, Even after the butchers already came and picked up the animal and stuff, they'll pay me afterwards. Um, And so they're, you know, paying and getting their product right at the same time, which I'm still going to offer that. But being able to do the um, six month long pay as they grow or if, you know, um, I can do shorter programs like right now, I would have liked to have started this program about a month ago. And our life has just been really crazy with us being on the road and stuff. So um, I probably won't be fully launching it till about December when I do a local craft show. And that's my opportunity every year to just meet with local families. And a lot's how I get a lot of people on my uh, wait list and stuff for the year for both piglets and whole hogs. So I'll be able to have my website up and running hopefully by then. And I'll be able to make those connections and we'll probably do a shorter term pay as you grow program, which will be um, probably about a three month program. So it'll be like 200 a month rather than like a hundred a month. So um really excited for that. Um, Hopefully, you know, if you are starting a homestead business or trying to get started with pigs, that might be something that you can consider in getting customers and, um, you know, keeping revenue streams going well while you're raising these animals. If you have any questions about diversifying your products or um, having several revenue streams, always feel free to reach out to me on, um, you know, hello at the homesteadeducation.com or you can find me on uh both Facebook and Instagram. And I'm always more than happy to answer those questions for you. Now, um, today's guest, she's a road schooler who is super inspiring and I'm so excited to share her story. I actually recorded this episode before our trip cross country. And I, I'll admit, I was like digging for some ideas and also gave her a few ideas as well. So I think this is going to be a really, um, It's going to be an interesting episode, even for myself to kind of like reflect back on after getting back from our trip. And I hope that you guys really enjoy it too. Her name's Kimmy Pittman and she'll be up in just a moment. Now, if you're interested in teaching your kids about 
um, horsemanship or learning yourself from a world record record holding mounted archer. Check out my friend Brandy Van Holden's horsemanship course in the show notes. I've had Brandy on the podcast. I've also been on Brandy's and she was one of my dear friends that I got to visit on the road. And I really hope that you take the time to check out her course because even in my teachings, I don't have any, um, horse information in my homestead courses besides the basics. Um, so she has a really great option for, um, horsemanship courses, uh, both on handling horses, trail courses, and mounted archery. So make sure you get over there and check her out. All right. Now on to our guest. Today, I have special guest, Kimmy Pittman, a homeschooling road schooler, um, who is coming on today to just talk to us about their life on the road. So welcome, Kimmy. Thank you for having me, Cody. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So um, my family of four and I, we travel full-time in our RV and we've been doing this for a little bit over a year now. And so I feel like we've got a little bit of credibility in that realm and we homeschool. We've been homeschooling this is starting our fourth year. So I kind of did a preschool year as a trial run of sorts. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we've done kindergarten, first grade, and we've just started our second grade year. Nice. And so, yeah, we just do. Yeah, we, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I just feel like I'm a little envious because we love our homestead and our farm, but I love, I'm like a gypsy at heart. So Yes, I completely understand that. That's how we are. It's like there's a part of me that loves being on the road and traveling and exploring. And Mm -hmm. there's another part of me that yearns to settle down and homestead and have have animals and just have those home roots. Yeah. So what started you guys on the road? So really, it was COVID. You know, so many stories now they start with COVID. Um, we were living in East Tennessee and my husband was working full-time. He is a physician. So working full-time for him was 60, 70 hours a week on average. The kids were attending a Montessori preschool and then COVID hit. And all of a sudden dad was home and the kids were home and we were all together as a family and we loved it. And so during that time, we started having these conversations of how do we make this our regular life? How do we have this time together as our family? And we started to kind of shift our priorities from, you know, financial stability and private school for the kids. We started to shift our priorities and we truly started started putting God first and foremost, which is where he should be. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, I hate to say at that time, he wasn't our priority in our lives. But we started to put God first and then family everybody second. Everybody has those and seasons. We, yeah. And it just really was a period of, of growth for us. And we just started asking ourselves hard questions just of how do we, we knew we weren't living the way we wanted to be. So we just started having these conversations about, well, how do we get to where we do want to be, which is this being at home together, being able to spend time together as a family. I was really tired of my two babies looking at me and saying, mommy, am I going to see daddy today? Mm. And having to look at them and say, no, honey, you're not because he's either having to spend the night at the hospital or he's going to come home so late. You're already going to be in bed. Yeah. I, you know, I remember those days I was a single mom for a long time 
and I'd have to take my kids to daycare every day and then go. I was in school and then working. Um, and yeah, I would pick them up at the end of the day and they would just cling to me. Yeah. And I hated it. And, you know, we started out in public school. We did, uh, let's see, the twins were in second grade when we pulled them out and it was just my season of life changed and I was able to have them home and I would never go back, especially now that I have another two younger children, they have never been away from us. I mean, other than normal stuff, you know? Yeah. And that's such a blessing. We, for us, I'll be honest with you. I was afraid to have the kids home with me all the time and be responsible for their schooling. They're 15 months apart and they were both, they were two and a half and three and a half at the time. And I was just afraid that I couldn't do it. And so COVID, I I feel (laughs) you. Yeah. Well, and I hear that from so many homeschool moms or for moms that their kids go to traditional schools and they're like, well, Mm -hmm. I could never homeschool. And I'm like, you can, if you really want to, because I used to say that all the time about, oh, I could never homeschool. But then when COVID happened, um, the kids were let out for spring break and they didn't go back. And so we had the option to do like a little online schooling, but they were in preschool. So I was like, I'm not, Mm -hmm. we're just going to we're just going to skip the rest of the year. It's fine. And then yeah, the school ended up going in a different direction than we, than our personal beliefs. And so we said, you know what, we still have one more year before they technically have to start by law. So let's take a year and let's test out homeschooling. And it was the biggest blessing. It was just like a gift from God of, I'm going to give you this time and this space to see that you can do this and your whole family is going to be better for it. Yeah. You know, I, my first thought with homeschooling, I knew I could teach them, but I didn't think I could stay on being around them. And I mean, I, that sounds terrible, but that is the culture we've been raised in and that we have been taught to raise our kids in is that our kids annoy us and we don't want to be around them. And now like, you know, my husband and I were both like, we enjoy our free time. Like, and it was, we spent a lot of time out in the woods. We dropped the kids off at school and we'd go hunting. And one day um, in our um, district, they allowed kids to take off a week for hunting season. And oh, so, cool. right. <laughs> and so um, at first it was us out scouting and we were just like really enjoying ourselves and stuff. And then we had the kids home for a whole week to go hunting. And when they went back, we, it was still hunting season. And so we were out hunting still, and we hated having to drive back into town to get the kids at two o'clock. And I mean, we ended up not starting homeschooling for a few months after that, but that's what really started our conversation is we just wanted our kids with us for our adventures. Like we were so bummed that they were missing out on all the awesome things we were getting to do. And I completely understand. Yeah. And now that they're home with us, we couldn't imagine life without them home with us. I mean, of course our twins are 14 now, so we're going through the teen years. So there's a few minutes where I'm like, can you make a friend and go hang out with them? Cause (laughs) you're on my nerves, but (laughs) yeah. Well, I mean, what you said is right. It's kind of like in our culture, in our society, they, there are daycares 
that have wait lists for six months old, six month olds. And, you know, there's so many, it's just, you're kind of taught to, as soon as you can send your kids to someone else Mm -hmm. to raise them because you can't do it or you're not capable or for coming from a female's perspective, it's, well, you need to be working full time. You need to be taking care of the house and cooking from scratch and feeding your family healthy. But you also need to be a full time mom and be good. And it's like that. It's just not realistic. I tried it when mm-hmm. our babies were little. I was working full time. My husband was in residency and I was luckily working full time from home. Um, I was working an insurance job and I had a couple of girls come in and help me with the babies, but it just, it's, I wasn't doing any of it. Well, I wasn't keeping my house. I wasn't cooking well. I wasn't a good employee and I wasn't a good mom. I wasn't doing any of it well because I was so spread so thin trying to Mm -hmm. do it all, which is what our culture basically places on us nowadays, whether it's spoken or not. And it's just, it's, it's, it's not possible. It is really not possible. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah it's kind of, well, how do you, how do you cut that out? And it's like, well, for us, we decided to take the financial hit of me not working any longer and being home, but we saved money on babysitters and I was able to cook more at home. And so yeah. we didn't spend as much money eating out and those non-monetary incomes, those help. They do. I mean, we spend money. so much, so much money spent on daycare, but then your kids get to school age and you get to send them to, if you send them to public schools, then that's a good, that's a good way for your children can go and learn. And it's, Mm -hmm. you're not having to pay for daycares anymore, but it's still just a lot because your kids are spending eight hours plus a day away from home. Yeah. And that's just time that you could be bonding with your children that you never get back. And people will ask us nowadays, oh, do you think you're, when you settle down that your kids will go to school? And I'm like, honestly, I don't ever see my kids going to non-homeschool right. until they're, I mean, you know, in college and I can yeah. no longer provide that education. Well, it's like they ride the buses and stuff like they're gone. You know, if my kids went to school here where we live, we live 45 minutes from town. So I wouldn't see them for 10 hours a day just for their school stuff then there's 4-h and baseball and youth group and all these other things that they do people don't see their kids no they don't well and then their kids get to be teenagers and adults and they wonder why they don't have a good relationship with Mm -hmm. their child it's like because you have to have time together to build a relationship And when you're going to work eight hours a day, they're going to school eight to 10 hours a day. And then you've got all the extracurricular activities and seeing friends and all that kind of stuff. You don't, you don't, you see each other in passing. Yep. You know, I, at 14, I did not have a relationship with my mom. Um, And what I had was strained and my 14 year old daughter and I, we get along great. And, you know, she even, you know, she'll call me out like, mom, you're really stressed. Like, you need to chill, you know, and I'll, you know, I can turn around and be like, Hey, your tone was really harsh with your brothers. And there's not a, it's not that angry teen scenario. It's just, Oh, okay. You know, and then we just go about our day. That's another, that is one of those things too, that I think in our modern day culture and society, we don't know how to communicate 
openly and honestly with one mm-hmm. another without getting over offended. Yeah. Like I, my mom, I love her so much. And her and I went through a period of life when I was actually in my mid twenties, when we just fought like cats and dogs because she was trying to protect me. And I was trying to go and spread my wings and establish myself Mm -hmm. as an individual. And we butted heads a lot. We both are very similar in personality. We're both very stubborn, but going Mm. through that period together in a way was a huge blessing because her and I learned to communicate with one another openly and honestly without getting overly offended. And I can, my mom will look at me and she'll, I've got dreadlocks in my hair. I just have, I used to have several more, but now I just have two. My mom hates my dreadlocks (laughs) and she'll look at me and she's, she'll look at me and say, your hair looks gross. I don't like your dreadlocks. And I can look at her and say, thank you. I respect your opinion, but it's my hair and I'm going to wear it the way that I want to. And we can look (laughs) at each other and say that in love and, and then go on with our day, like not get, not get upset or like, Oh, I can't believe you said that to me. I'm not going to speak to you. We can speak openly and honestly without getting, um, you know, without getting overly upset. And I just, in society nowadays, it's just, people are so afraid to mm-hmm. offend one another that it's like we, it's everybody's just, there's no open communication. Yeah, I agree. It is so hard. And I mean, working in a field like I do, where I'm communicating with people all the time, it's hard. It's always, I'm always worried that I'm going to offend someone. And um, I mean, not that I worry all the time about offending people, but you know, no, I like, know what you mean. Yeah. It's like, you don't, you don't want to say something. Yeah. That's going to, cause you don't want to upset people. I mean, that's my no. thing. I truly believe I try really hard to just never get offended unless you directly mm. look at me and say something very derogatory about my character. I'm not going to get offended because most of the time people are not trying to offend others. Mm-hmm. but we That's do live in a culture where yeah. people get upset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think most people go out and say, Hey, I'm going to make someone mad today by saying something really rude. Um, I do think there needs to be awareness with how we communicate with one another and communicating in love. But on the flip side of that, mm-hmm. just not getting, not getting overly offended when people look at us and say, Hey, I love you, but I don't agree with your lifestyle or, Hey, I love you, but I'm worried that your kids aren't getting the right education. You know, just being able to, to communicate and have those conversations openly is so important. Even with those that can't have those good conversations, I found the strongest statement that I've ever seen is don't take advice or criticism from someone who has a life that you wouldn't want. Yes. That was like every weight in the world lifted off of me. Yeah. It's hard not to be inundated with, with Mm -hmm. different viewpoints and political and, and religious and, um, you know, societal different cultural norms. It's so hard. It's like, we're being bombarded by that stuff all day, every day. And you have to be such a strong person in your own beliefs to, to not get affected by that. But it's like, until then, 
until you yeah. are strong <laughs> enough in your own values and core um, core beliefs, then it's like, yeah, don't, don't take advice from someone who is not living the way that you want to live, or don't take advice from that person over there or get offended by that comment of that person over there who you wouldn't want to be them. You wouldn't want to live yeah. their lifestyle anyway. Mm-hmm. It, it was huge for me, especially when there's so many of us that are following that, you know, homeschooling, homesteading path that is definitely you know, upstream from everyone else, you know, we're going against the grain and so many people don't understand it. Oh, Cody, I wanted so badly to comment on one of your posts the other day and I didn't, (laughs) but you had posted, um, you had posted something about your garden and how, and all the weeds that had come into your garden and someone made this really rude comment of, well, clean it up. And then you don't have to worry about guessing what your greens are. And I was just like, first of all, if you don't have something kind or nice to say, just don't say anything. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, what is the point of that? What was the point of that comment? And it just, it, it fired me up inside. And I just, I really wanted to respond. And, (laughs) but then my, my personal conviction is like, well, that's not pouring fire on fire is not going to help anything. So I just, right. if I couldn't say something nice, I kept it closed, but it, you know, I, just, I am so I glad you said that. something. I'm so glad you said something about that one. Cause that one actually like, it kind of hurt my feelings because yeah. I was, you know, so my weeds, the weeds in that video were about two to three days worth of growth. Sure. So I have two gardens, orchards, 50 hogs on my property, six kids, three businesses. I look forward to my time to get to go out to the garden and clean it up. And that's like a very therapeutic time for me. I pop in my headphones, I listen to a book or something, and I pull my weeds. And I found with the succession planting there that, like I said in my little reel, um, it's hard to tell what's what when they all first pop up when you're trying to weed, they're all like the same size. And so I did the little hatch marks on my uh, bed so that if I'm out there weeding, I'm usually pretty good at knowing what's what my kids and husband aren't. And sometimes we go out there as a family and we all listen to a book on tape. And so we're not talking, we're just weeding. And Sometimes I'm at the succession planting. Sometimes I'm over in the onions, you know, it's just, it's wherever I start and then somebody else comes and picks a different spot. And so that was kind of, that is our, that's how I help not only my garden, but my whole family with my little hatch marks. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to share this with everybody. And this is a perfect opportunity. And they said that, and I'm like, are you here weeding my garden? <laughs> exactly. Well, but that, and that goes back to that, what we were just talking about of like, mm-hmm. Most likely that person wasn't saying that to offend you or maybe he or she was, but it's like that comment was such a reflection on that individual much more than it was a reflection on you because you found a system that works for your family and you Mm -hmm. were showing real life on Instagram. You were showing, Hey, I don't have this perfect weed free garden right now. Mm -hmm. This is my reality. And for someone to come in and just make that comment, like, Right. What is wrong with that? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, just keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I mean, they, they were even cussing in it too. So it was like, yes. I'm like, that's so unnecessary. Like, I think mm-hmm. there's, you know, times, you know, like 
I don't know, like you post something maybe political and they're like, oh, this is BS, you know, like, okay, yeah, I, it is BS. That's why I posted it, you know, but I was like, like, there's no reason for it. Why? Yeah. But I don't know. I'm like, I, I don't have enough time to go around and comment meanly on people's stuff, but I'm just like, (laughs) oh, it just, it got to me when I saw it. I was just like, you know, and but, I found you know, you know, that stuff I, like that. I just try not to waste time on. Right. I've definitely found now that my reach is getting a little further, I get more of those types of comments. But then there's some on my oh, post, sure. like on on one of my boosted ads, somebody came on there and was like, How can you be promoting homesteading? while you're on social media when that's not old fashioned or something like I was like that doesn't even but people have been like tearing that person a new one and I've just left it there because I'm like congratulations all you've done is brought more people to my page (laughs) yeah that's very true that's very true well and there's no there's no set definition I consider myself a homesteader and I Mm -hmm. live in an RV full time Mm -hmm. we do not have land we do not have animals yet. I've ex- told you how we plan to settle down and do all of that mm-hmm. in the next probably 18 months or so. But there are ways that you can homestead without actually being settled on land with animals in a garden. Like yeah. I grow, well, I was attempting to grow some herbs here in the RV and they have since died. So that one didn't work, yeah. but like I make my own, oh yeah, all the time, <laughs> but I make my own sourdough bread. <laughs> I have made lotions and shampoos and all that kind of stuff, just trying to be more sustainable. Um, I haven't gotten into preserving or canning yet because we just don't have the space for it. Yeah. But I have found that bread freezes beautifully. Um, but there's just different ways that you can quote unquote homestead without actually being on a piece of land and doing it. And you know, we're we're kind of right now just in the knee deep phase of researching. So that when mm-hmm. we do get that piece of land and settle down, we will at least have the head knowledge yeah. of what we need to do, which helps, you know, with the hands-on. Nothing can replace the hands-on experience, yeah. but I'm a planner and I like to plan and prepare and at least try to give myself the best head start that I possibly research, can. Research is my anti-anxiety drug. Like. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, that's knowledge is the antidote to fear and stress. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're, you're afraid of something, usually the reason you're afraid of something or stressed out about something is because you don't know enough about it, but the minute Mm -hmm. you can educate yourself and you can actually learn more about the subject, then that takes away some of the fear. Like I said, nothing can replace hands-on experience, but at least having an idea in your head of, okay, this is what we want. This is kind of the order we want to go in. This is what that's going to require work-wise, money-wise, mm-hmm. et cetera. At least you have a bit of an idea rather than going in completely blind and just being like, well, I'm going to jump head first, which some people do really well with that. I am not one of those people. Right. Um, no, I agree completely. I have to like have all the details and, but you know, I always say home settings, a state of mind. It's not necessarily if you're living completely off grid, that was what original homesteading was what the homestead movement is. I mean, it's almost more of like a political party and like a way of life. And we're thinking in a totally different way. Like, um, I actually, I, I was talking to a libertarian guy, like, um, 
Connor Boyack, the author of Tuttle Twins. And we were chatting, you know, I'm like, I, I feel like homesteading is almost a political party. And he was like, he's like, it's very similar to libertarianism, like what you guys all want, you know? And so it's really, it's like that a sliding scale of where you want to be. So like, I have a lot of homeschoolers say to me, well, we want a homestead, but we're, you know, all we're doing right now is homeschooling. And I'm like, but you just said it right there. You've opted out of one system. And it's that opting out of yes. the system that is really what this is all about. Yes. And in that way, homesteaders and RVers are very similar. Cause it's like, we yes. totally opted out of the system. We are like, we're done <laughs> yeah. with it. How do we get out? We sold, we sold everything. We were living on three acres in East Tennessee, wow. beautiful piece of land, beautiful mm. area, Knoxville. It's I love it there, there. Yeah. but it is, but we had a mortgage. And like I said, my husband ha- was having to work a ton to be able to pay that mortgage. And so we just said, you know what? We're not quite sure what we want yet for our lives to look like, but we know it's not this. And we mm-hmm. started spinning around. We originally were tossing around the idea of moving to Costa Rica. And we were actually talking to developers, land developers, oh. to look at buying a plot of land. And then COVID hit. And we didn't know how realistic it was going to be to travel back and forth between yeah. the United States. And, and we didn't want to get in that situation. Um, and so we said, okay, well, what's another way we can get out of the current rat race we're caught in? And we love traveling. And so we said, you know what, let's, let's do an RV. Let's, we didn't have any RVing experience. My parents had an RV when I was growing up. Um, so I had a little bit of experience, at least from traveling in one, mm-hmm. but you know, my husband had none. We did not ever go on an RV before we didn't, um, we didn't really know what we were doing at all, but we decided we were just going to sell it all and we were going to give it a try in worst case scenario we get on the road. We absolutely hate it. And then my husband could find another full-time job and we could settle back down. It may not be in the ideal location, but it, if that was the worst case scenario, we could handle that. And so we thought, why not? Let's give it a try. Um, and I don't, I don't regret it one bit. It's been amazing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about RV life and homeschooling on the road and Okay. So, um, well, so we, it's funny, you meet RVers and everyone does it a little bit different. You've got your weekend warriors. You've got your people who maybe will travel for the summer. They'll, they'll be stationary the whole year, but then for those three months of summer, they'll go and travel Mm -hmm. thousands of miles. I know people who will move every few days and they kind of just go where the wind blows them and where they can find a spot. Um, we planned out pretty much a whole year ahead and we book everything in advance. We like to have a plan. And so we, yeah, so we have been doing, um, some travel time and some stationary time. So we spent the summer or the winter in Florida and we moved every two weeks after that we headed out to, we went up and visited some family members up in the Tennessee and Kentucky area. And then we headed out through, um, South Dakota and we were stationary in Montana for three months while my husband picked up a job. So he kind of acts as like a traveling physician of sorts. So he'll work periodically. So we were stationary for three months while he was working at a hospital. 
And then we actually just left last week. Now we're up in Canada. So we're going to be spending the next two and a half months traveling again, moving every seven to 10 days. And we're doing national parks. Then we're going to be stationary again for five months. Um, Over the winter, we're going to be in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And so I kind of base our schooling. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And so I base our schooling on what season of life we're in. So when Mm -hmm. we were stationary in Montana, we were hitting school pretty hard. We were doing two to three hours a day, which is kind of our max limit. Um, But just trying to get a lot in because we knew that after that, we were going to be traveling. And when we're traveling, we're doing less sit down and learn and more Mm. let's go out into the national parks and we're going to learn about the landscape and we're going to learn about Mm -hmm. the history of the area and the people who settled it. And we're going to learn about the animals and the plants that grow there. So that's how we structure our, our homeschooling and road schooling of sorts is just what season of life are we in and what can we take advantage of that's actually outside our front door versus sitting inside learning. Yeah. I love that. It's, you know, and they learn so much on the road. Like, you know, we, with our teens last year, we went to Virginia for the Homesteaders of America conference and we did an RV and we went cross country. And what we did is we read the book um, in the footsteps of crazy horse And then the kids actually plotted out all of the crazy horse places in the book. We got a little. Can you hear me, Cody? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's starting to, it's starting to rain here. I wonder if that's part. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But yeah, we, we read in the footsteps of crazy horse and, um, the kids plotted out all of the locations in the book, like through Montana and Wyoming and I think it was South Dakota. And then we went to all those places on the trip and reread the book at the same time. Oh, that and is that so was, cool. It was so much fun. And like, they felt like they were actually there and doing it, you know? Well, in that, I mean, I grew up, um, I went to private Catholic schools. But the things that I remember the most from my education are the field trips that we took. Yeah. And then also um, there were just a couple of hands-on, very tactile type projects that we did in history. And it's funny because I always say like, I'm not a history person. I, I don't, I cannot sit down and read a history textbook. But I remember going, there's a place called Shaker Village in Harrodsburg, Kentucky, and it is all modeled after a colonial village and what life was like then. And I remember that so vividly. And I remember going to the Daniel Boone. It's in Harrodsburg, Kentucky. And it's, it's super neat. They have demonstrations of um, candle making and spinning wool and um, blacksmithing and they just have all these different hands-on demonstrations and all of the the people are dressed in the colonial period attire and they just really try to make it a very interactive experience that's awesome i i noted it because we're getting ready to go through kentucky when we go to hoa again this year and i'm trying to find some new places for us to stop at 
Yes, I can tell you. So my husband's from Western Kentucky and I'm from like Central Kentucky. And so Mm -hmm. we spent our whole, yes. And we spent our whole like lives where the the first quarter of our lives, hopefully, you know, there in that area. So if you want ideas on like places to go to take the kids, I I got you covered. (laughs) Oh, I will definitely, I'll probably shoot you another message because we're going to um, Virginia where, so we're cutting through going to Virginia. And then a week later we have a conference in Indiana. So we're going to kind of hang out in that area for a few days. Oh, cool. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot to see and do in that area. My son and I, well, all of my kids and I, but my son loves it the most. When we go on trips, we play like the left or right game. And basically we kind of, we pick a spot on the map, like on GPS and drive to that spot. And then we just say left or right for like several hours and just drive. That's so fun. Right. And then when it starts getting like, okay, it's getting close to dinner time. We need to get back to wherever we're going to be or find the hotel or whatever. Then we, you know, bring up, we find service and bring the GPS up again and roll with it. And we did that in Kentucky in April. And we just, I love that. April is such a beautiful time to be in Kentucky Mm because everything is blooming. If you're in central Kentucky, all of the baby thoroughbred horses are being born. So it's like, you've got this beautiful rolling hills with all these gorgeous horses and their babies out there and these picturesque barns. And it's just, it's so pretty. Well, we were there for a homeschool conference in Ohio actually, but it was in Cincinnati. So, you know, right there. And, um, it was also Derby weekend and we didn't realize that. And there were so many people. Okay. And we don't like people. Yes. Well, at least you weren't in Louisville. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. We, um, so we actually lived in Cincinnati for four years. Well, we lived on the Kentucky side of the river, um, uh-huh. but my husband did nice residency. There. It is. My husband mm-hmm. did residency there. And so we were there in that area. Um, there's so much to do. The children's museum there is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then they'll have traveling exhibits come through, which right now the kids are learning about Egypt. We're doing a study that is running the Bible history Mm. concurrently with world history and so we're in we're in genesis and we're also learning about ancient egypt it's very neat we're learning about ancient egypt and when the kids were little i mean they were two and one there was a really cool ancient egypt exhibit that came through the children's museum that had all these artifacts and like um they had a replica of one of the boats that they would take down the nile it was so cool and i'm like oh if only we could go see that now, right? that would have been great timing, but yeah, it's just, it's, what a, it's really neat. What curriculum are you using? So <laughs> I'm very much an eclectic homeschooler. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I started with my sister, my sister used sunlight with all of mm-hmm. hers. And so our like trial year, we just used that because she had it all. And she just said, here, here's the whole curriculum, take it, use it and, and see how it goes. And I liked that, but I very quickly diverged and started pulling in different things that I just felt drawn to. Yep. And so right now we largely use the Waldorf curriculum after that for a long, for a couple of years. We, that was kind of our base um, was a Waldorf curriculum, but we have 
since kind of diverged away from that. And we're using Simply Charlotte Mason for our Bible history geography. It's okay. kind of, it's, it's Bible history and geography all rolled into one. And there's four different year long segments of, of that course. So right now we're doing Genesis to Deuteronomy. So this whole first year, we're just going to do Genesis to Deuteronomy, but it runs the Bible history alongside the rest of the world history. Okay. So we've been learning about, um, we've been le- learning about the Mesopotamia area. We've been learning some about India and Egypt and what's going on in the rest of the world at the same time, you know, that Abraham's leading the Israelites through the desert. So oh, I love that. So I have a six-year-old and I just haven't found a good history for him. And I wasn't even sure like how deep we needed to go. And Charlotte Mason really goes well with how we don't, we've never taught Charlotte Mason, but I know how well Charlotte Mason goes with our style of teaching. Yeah. I've never been a Charlotte Mason person myself. However, I really love the way this course is done because to me, I grew up learning the Bible and then I had a history class mm-hmm. and they never ran together. And for me, it was always very hard to, to mesh the two together. And mm-hmm. so when I found this, that it meshes the Bible and biblical history with world history and geography, yeah. to me, I was like, we've got to give this course a try. And so far mm-hmm. we are loving it. I actually, a friend of mine wrote a history curriculum for junior hires and it's a world history. So it kind of covers that same and it's, it's actually secular, but she still compares what the stories of the Bible, like not like exactly, but like, it'll be like, and in the Bible, they discussed this in the same time period that this was happening. And I like, it actually really brought everything together for me because yeah, right. I didn't go to, I went to um, public school So then I went to public school and had my history. And then, you know, I went to church most Sundays and got some, you know, got my religion there, but they were never meshed in any way. Right. Well, that's one thing that as we went through COVID and all of those uncertain times, we really got much deeper in our faith, which is why we've kind of gotten away from a Waldorf-based curriculum and gotten in more to... um, into a more cohesive curriculum with our Mm -hmm. personal religious beliefs. Because I'm like, if, if you're a Christian, which is, we are, um, Mm -hmm. Bible and, and God, and that is not this little pocket over here. And the rest of life is over here. It's all together, or at least it should be, it Mm -hmm. should be all together. And for so long we had, well, we go to church on Sunday and we, we, you know, pray together as a family at night, but then the rest of the time we're just like living normal life. And we got to the point where we're like, that's not, that's not right. That's not what the Bible says to do. That's not what we, we just started to feel very called of like our lives and our family should be centered around God. We say like us in our house, we serve the Lord, but it's like, we're only serving the Lord a few hours a week. And so that was another big thing for us is like, well, how do we make this integral? And so part of that is the kids education is I don't, I don't believe in the big bang theory. I never did. I, I, there's a lot, if you start researching science, 
there's a lot of holes um, in a lot of quote unquote scientifically proven things. Like if you look at fossil dating, it's mm-hmm. a very, it's a very, it is a very loose and shaky system. If you start looking and at, at it, it changes um, all the time. It does. Like it, drives, have been- it drives me crazy. I mean, your husband probably sees some of the same as a scientist, you know, as a physician, you're a scientist for me, I, you know, major in animal science. I worked in food labs. Science has been my whole life, but they always say, follow the science, but the science is ever changing. And that should be okay. Because as we learn more, you know, the science is ever changing. There have been so many things throughout history that scientific research has come out and said, this is, this is fact. And then yeah, well, years down the road, years they, ago, said, they thought if they drilled a hole in your head, that that would help all your ailments. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, there's been so much that's been quote unquote proven by scientific fact. And then later on you find out, oh, that's actually not true. It's like the whole mask thing. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to breach this subject, but it's like, they yeah, this, saying, is a, oh, this is a homestead. Uh, okay, good. Podcasts were solid. <laughs> What's well, they kept saying. <laughs> They kept saying, you know, oh, wear the masks, wear the masks, they'll protect you. My husband was like, that doesn't make sense. He said, we don't wear masks in the OR to protect us from breathing. That's why they circulate the air and clean the air and have these extensive air filtration systems in mm-hmm. hospitals. The masks are to protect your face from splashes and, and fluids and stuff like that. And he said, once you start breathing on the mask, the, um, you know, the water particles coming out of your breath, out of your nose and your mouth will saturate those masks and they are no longer effective at that point for filtering air particles. So he, from the get-go, he was like, that doesn't make sense. Scientifically, (laughs) that does not make sense. But, you know, we were told for so long, oh, wear the mask, wear the mask. And then what was it like a little bit ago, six months ago? I mean, they came out and they're like, oh, actually they're, they're not effective and they never were. Well, of course, but science was telling us that they, anyways, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but science I think is great. It makes us think, it makes us question. And I think science is a great tool um, to help us figure stuff out. However, when we put all of our faith in science, like that's just a false place to put our, to put our trust Mm -hmm. because it is like you said, ever changing and ever evolving. Um, But the Bible and God is not changing. It is exactly how it has always been. And it is the one thing that we can trust. And so during COVID, we really leaned in and realized that that is the unchanging and that is where our trust can go. And that is where our faith can go. Um, It's not in the science, it's not in the world, but it is in God. And so we started changing our curriculum more to encompass our family's beliefs um, in the hopes of, of giving our children a, a what we consider a correct worldview is, is not, yeah. not necessarily a worldview, but a, but a biblical worldview. And so that's why I really, really like the, um, the simply Charlotte Mason history and geography and Bible. And it's always nice when you can wrap up multiple subjects into one, one lesson plan. Like I jotted it down. I'm going to go take a look for my six-year-old. Cause I think that would be a really good one for him. Well, And I like it because it's actually designed for the whole family. So the way Mm -hmm. it's set up is they have a family portion that it's like everyone can sit together. All ages can sit together and do that part. Then they have further work for the littles or for middle ages or high schoolers. And so what it does, so like in four years, my kids and I will circle back around to this Genesis to Deuteronomy. We'll circle back around 
and we'll do it again. But this time it'll be different because they'll be the next level up. So they'll have additional okay. stuff where they can dive a little deeper because they'll be in what, fourth or fifth grade. So they yeah. can dive deeper at that point. And then when we come back around the third time, they'll be in high school. So they'll dive even deeper. And so I, I, like I just think it's like, yeah, I thought it was really cool that you can do it with a family of all ages. And, but then based on the age ages, they can do further diving deep into yeah. Egyptian culture or, or, you know, diving deeper into the Bible or whatever. Oh, that's a good one. And my older kids are doing a geography this year and they're doing a um, government, but we can still, they can at least listen in and hear what I'm saying and add more to what they're doing. So that's really cool. Um, so as we get to the end of the episode, my favorite question to ask all my guests is what does keep growing mean to you? Ooh, that's a great question. I mean, I think keep growing just means keep following the nudges. So like when I say the nudges, it's like, you know, we all, we all get these, these feelings from time to time of things that we're interested in. Like maybe something I I was never interested in homesteading growing up, but then it's, we start getting these nudges of, of homesteading. And so we've gone down this, this rabbit hole of researching all about homesteading and animals. And, and now that's, that's our next step in life. When we're done traveling, we want to settle down and we want to do homesteading, but it's just keep following those nudges. You know, if you, yeah. if you find an interest in something, go, go down it. I, we will most likely when our kids hit fifth or sixth grade, we will switch over to unschooling. Once they have a solid yeah. academic base, we will switch over to unschooling. And that will be all about following the nudges. It's like, what is something you're interested Mm -hmm. in? And let's dive deep into that and see if that's something that actually sticks or something that as you dive in, you realize, eh, that's really not my thing. Like it was cool. Now I know about it and I tried it. And now I can, I can let that go because I realize it's not my thing and I can, I can find something else. But I think as a person, you just have to keep growing by following those interests and not being afraid to learn more or look stupid or make mistakes. Um, yeah, you live in, you live in an RV, you make lots of mistakes and you, I'm sure as a homesteader, we are going to make a ton of mistakes and that's okay. It is. Well, you know, that's all part of learning. So, um, well, well, thank you. Oh, one last thing. I appreciate homesteaders who are on social media, because while I think social media can be a big detriment to to some people, I think it is such a great tool. And YouTube taught me how to renovate an RV. So YouTube is also teaching me how to homestead in the future. And I'm very (laughs) thankful for homesteaders who take the time to, because homesteading is a full-time job. And I'm grateful for those who take the time to make how-to videos and to share experiences because for someone like me, that is invaluable how I can learn from your experience. And I can't wait in the winter, we're actually going to get your farmsteading course and we're going to start. Yeah, we're, that's our plan is once we get to Gulf Shores, Alabama, um, and we're not traveling anymore, we're going to start learning about farmsteading and the kids are going to start learning it. So that, like I said, we have that head knowledge before we actually settle down and do it ourselves. So I'm very, very thankful for homesteaders and RVers and, and just and anyone willing to share their life experience 
um, because it, it's just been a big help for us personally. I love that. Well, so thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, I look forward to seeing how they enjoy it. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, do you want to tell everyone? Me where- too. I, I'm, I think I might be more excited about it than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Um, so I, a lot of parents are really excited. I know how I felt when I was creating it that I couldn't wait to learn that way with my kids. So um, I really appreciate you coming on. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah. So we are on Instagram mainly. It's at Wild Pitmans. So it's W-I-L-D-P-I-T-M-A-N-S. Um, we do have a YouTube channel, but I don't really keep up with it all that well. So you can go watch videos of our travels in Florida if you feel so inclined. But um, <laughs> Instagram's really where I hang out because it doesn't take a lot of time. But yeah, and and I'm I'm on there. So if you guys have questions or anyone has any questions about anything, I'm pretty much an open book. So feel free to reach out. I like making new friends. And we've actually met some friends that we met on Instagram in person. Oh, we've fun. met up and camp. Yeah. So it's really, it's really cool. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Cody. You too. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a comment and review. This helps me to know what you're enjoying and helps others find an episode that can help them. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing.